The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us once again. Just coming off Belmont weekend, I hope you guys had a slew of winners, and I hope you stayed away from the favorites at Belmont Park. We'll go over that stakes-laden card in uh, just a minute or two. I want to tell you who our guests are coming up. Our our first one for uh, Belmont and Triple Crown recap will be somebody that was on the scene and someone who is no stranger to you if you follow horse racing, particularly in Louisville, and that'll be Jenny Reese, who's going to be with us, the turf rider, one of the few left in the country. Talked to her a little while ago. She was just heading back from her husband's barn, uh, going to settle in at home. So uh, our first guest will be Jenny Reese. And our uh, second guest will be Evan Hammonds from the, the Blood Horse. Uh, he's been there quite a while, over 15 years now. We've had him on a few times. Always enjoyed having him as a guest. And uh, he had some uh, particular words and insights into the, uh, the, the follow-up to the Belmont debacle interview, I guess you would say, uh, by uh, Steve Coburn, the co-owner of California Chrome. Anybody who watched the race, I'm sure, uh, raised some eyebrows when uh, he kind of uh, came off as a kid who just had his toys stolen away. It'll be interesting to go back and uh, get Evan's view on that. And uh, as you know, it's been uh, pretty pretty big in the media all week long. Of course, a, a tearful apology came up, but that took Monday to happen. Obviously, a lot of you were tuned into the Belmont Stakes. It was the most watched weekend sporting event since the Olympics at Sochi. That is good news for racing. Um, ever since the primetime telecast of the Olympics, it, it was uh, topped by 57%. The average viewership for the last Belmont in which a triple crown was at stake and that was back in Big Brown's year. So it's good to know that California Chrome garnered that much imp- uh, interest in the sport. Uh, I just wish that uh, his connections uh, perhaps would have had a little more class or taken a little more time to digest uh, the defeat. Uh, a lot of things happened. Most people didn't think he could get a mile and a quarter with his pedigree, let alone a, a mile and a half. Whether or not it was his pedigree, the way the race set up, or the fact that he did get stepped on in the race, uh, you can see there he ended up grabbing a quarter. Uh, he didn't. I believe that uh, one of his uh, competitors actually grabbed the, the quarter. It was a, a long shot, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, 
Matterhorn that uh, that clipped him. And uh, if you listen to Andy Beyer, maybe it just was a not so perfect ride uh, by Victor Espinoza. Uh, Beyer uh, didn't pull any punches in the way that uh, that he rode the horse. Uh, there there is an article uh, up in the Washington Post, of course, that you can get, and uh, he just uh, you know he was sad to see the fairy tale story go away, as so many of us were, but. Uh, and he's not afraid to point the finger. He just feels that maybe, though he was trying to relax him and not chase the pace, that once he got him in that spot down the backstretch, he, he got boxed in. And if you do go back and look at his PPs, uh, back in the days when he wasn't winning races were days when he got stuck down inside and did not fare well, some of those even against the state-bred California horses. Of course, you can't knock them riding Victor Espinosa ever since he was on the horse's back. California Chrome had never lost a race. So, again, we'll be talking to Evan and Jenny uh, about the race and to get their view uh, on the ride and on the connections. Well, again, just uh, a, a sensational day at Belmont Park. Um, we're going to review uh, some some of the stakes. There were so many good ones. Uh, it, it started out with uh, kind of a return of, of sort. Uh, Kid Cruz, a lot of horses, uh, uh, horsemen liked in the Preakness Stakes after his big win in the Federico Tessio, uh, ran terrible in the Preakness, but came back. The former claimer was bumped at the start, was last, and ended up being first over the favorite legend and life in shambles. Uh, then it was the grade two Brooklyn Invitational. The winner, Noremba, who came out of the grade three Ben Ali on Polytrack at Keeneland. You won't see that anymore. And this was one of the many races where uh, the favorites got beat. Uh, the favorite was Micromanage, who got the lead, looked like he was going to win, and just got caught. Again, it was Norm Bega winning by a neck. Uh, following that, if I can get my page turned, it was the, the Grade 3 Jayapur Invitational, another case where the favorite finished off the board. That was... Uh, uh, Eight-year-old Ben's cat, great horse who's closing in on $2 million. He finishes off the board, undrafted, gets the job done with Johnny V up. Finishing second was Marchman, another horse that led in the stretch and then got caught. And third was Global Power. Throw the favorite out, $2 try, $2,373. Okay, well, the Connections of Social Inclusion wisely decided to turn him back to a shorter distance in the Woody Stevens going seven furlongs, went off as the even-money favorite, ended up finishing third. One of our guests last week was Marty McGee. Marty McGee liked the Bob Baffert trainee, Bayern, and Bayern dismissed at 9-1. to one. He was in hand early by Gary Stevens, then he went clear, kicked away by 7.5. Thank you, Marty. The horse paid $20.40. Long shot top fortitude was second. Social inclusion did hang around for third. Another nice trifecta there. Then we went on to the TVG Acorn Stakes, grade one, $750,000. My Miss Sophia was odds on, finished off the board after pressing the pace. The winner was Sweet Reason, who rallied from far back in eighth, 
got up by a half a length uh, over Sweet Whiskey. Another horse that had the lead but faded late. Uh, that was a 32 to 1 shot. And uh, for the third spot, it was unbridled forever. Again, favorite off the board trifecta, $3,547. Then in the Ogden Phipps Win and You're In, the, this was the race that featured Close Hatches, Beholder, and Princess of Silmer. Just three great distaffers. The winner was. Close hatches. She settled off the rail. She led by one on the stretch, but this time the stretch leader actually did hold on. Uh, second was Princess of Silmar, and finishing fourth was Beholder. Antipathy ran third, so another case where the favorite finished off the board, and we did find out that uh, Beholder uh, did, uh, did suffer an injury in that race, and she is going to be out for a while. Uh, it looks like uh, they're going to take a time. They're thinking that, that she's going to be able to, to come back. Uh, I believe that it's a pastern injury, so she probably won't race until the fall, according to trainer Richard Mandela. Uh, then in the, in the Just a Game, the favorite was Discreet Mark. Finished off the board. What is it, Saratoga, the graveyard of favorites? Uh, anyhow, the winner was a coffee clique, a uh, horse who uh, just came out of a win at Churchill Downs in the Distaff Mile. It was a grade two. Javier Castellano was in Kentucky for that ride. He was in New York for this ride, went five wide, and got up in the final stride by a nose. Another horse that just missed it was Strathnaber, the British bred. And finishing third, Somali Lemonade, that trifecta with the favorite out, $1,263. Then we go to the Met Mile that was moved to this day. And this one, no surprise, the favorite got it done. And what a horse he's turned out to be. Last year's Belmont winner, Palace Malice, makes it four in a row in 2014. Uh, Winning the Gulfstream Park Handicap, the New Orleans Handicap, and uh, then came back at Belmont with the Westchester Handicap. Just dominated him by nine and three quarters. He won by one on Saturday. Now, even keying him over, uh, people left Golden Sense out. Uh, it was his first start in 2014, as talented as he, as he is. He's uh, won now over $2 million. Uh, uh, Doug O'Neill brings him. All the way to Belmont, Mike Smith in the saddle uh, was uh, ended up running second at pretty solid odds, six to one, and third was Romanish at nineteen to one. So with Palace Malice over two decent horses, you got five hundred fifty-nine dollars in your trifecta. Then uh, we came up on the uh, on the Manhattan, and uh, Dan Illman was on the show with us, and uh, he uh, picked this winner. Real Solution, who went off um, at 5-1. to one. A Real Solution got the job done and paid $13. Thank you very much, Dan Illman. We appreciate that much. Second was the 9, Kagan. And third was the favorite, Seek Again. That trifecta, $1,127. All right, then we moved on to the Belmont Stakes. You saw it, Tonalist, the horse that I felt that uh, was the one that could upset, obviously, all of us on the California Chrome bandwagon. 
But Tonalist did get the job done. How key is the Peter Pan? We've seen it be a factor in many Belmont stakes. And Tonalist just lasted over Commissioner. And Commissioner, uh, who uh, had a lead for a while, came out of the Peter Pan stakes. He led in all but uh, the last few yards there. Um, Let's also take a look at some other Belmont news because it looks like... um, that commissioner may well be on the sideline for a while. Uh, sorry to see uh, Beholder go that way, but it also looks like he has to have an ankle chip removed. Um, he was, of course, uh, just missed in the Belmont Stakes. A press release uh, came out by Windstar, says the chip is in his left front ankle. Uh, he's going down to Rudin Riddle to have the... Uh, the operation done. Uh, they say the first day back he looked good, but then he had some filling. They took x-rays. Uh, he's a son of AP Indy, so you know he's got to be very, very valuable uh, as a stallion. Uh, let's just hope that uh, they're able to, to get him back. They said it was in a favorable spot, and uh, they're, they're going to do their best to, uh, to, to, to bring him back. So uh, we will uh, once again uh, you know, wish, keep our fingers crossed and, and, and wish them luck and uh, hope that they, they come back. Other interesting news, I just saw this come up on the Blood Horse site, that looks like Thistledown, who is going to move to the Akron-Canton area, is actually going to stay where they are uh, on the east side of Columbus. Um, and uh, plans were to move. They kind of did minimal things, but I guess business has been good. And uh, so they are gonna, they're going to do their best to... Uh, uh, kind of put, I think they set a minimum of $60 million, uh into it. So they'll see improvements, but I guess they're, they're doing better than, uh, than they, they thought they would there. And uh, so Thistledown is going to stay where they are. So we're going to take a little bit of a break right now. Um, and then when we come back, hopefully uh, we'll be able to get a hold of uh, Evan Hammonds. Um, and then we're going to look at the Stephen Foster, the Fleur de Lis, the Matt Wynn, and the Regret at Churchill Downs. All graded stakes races, all of them on this Saturday evening. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Winning Ponies. to the pros we, we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me, one of my favorite turf writers and one of my favorite people in the world, Jenny Reese, who's always been very kind and coming on Winning Ponies with us. Uh, We're just so blessed to to have a turf writer these days because there's fewer and fewer of them uh, in existence anymore. Of course, uh, Jenny's been uh, associated with the Louisville Courier-Journal, and that puts her right down in the heart of Churchill Downs. Uh, Her husband, Pat, is a thoroughbred trainer, so not much gets by her. She's got her ear to the ground. She knows what's happening in Louisville. But she also has an eye across the nation with us right now. Jenny Reese. Jenny, how you doing? Well, man, what a great intro there, John. All true. Well, I got another one hoodwinked, huh? <laughs> Multiple <laughs> no, Eclipse Awards. Well. She had to build a new mantle in her house to hold all the Eclipse Awards she's got. So, uh, Well, anyhow, I, I, I've been so in the inundated with things. I didn't get a chance to, to, to read your column after the Belmont Stakes. Where did you go with it? I did. You know, I didn't do a final thought thing because I had to go to um, North Carolina. So I was lucky enough to have been voted the Kentucky Sports Writer of the Year for 2013. And Monday night was the awards thing, so it kind of got me off at that. And then it had to jump right into the Stephen Foster. But, my, you know, my take on the Belmont is it was a great race, and it just goes to show that the Belmont, you know, the unexpected can happen. And, uh, you know, I was a little skeptical about Tonalist. He, you know, had run very fast, but he had run on a sloppy track, and sometimes I think those numbers, especially in New York, get a little distorted, um, but he was bred. I wasn't paying enough attention to the Pleasant Colony on his bottom side, clearly, and uh, they said he, you know, and he had really terrific work and stuff, and, you know, I, as, as it got closer to Belmont, I felt that chances are California Crown would get beat, but the question was by who, and, um, you know, um, I'm kind of like Commissioner, uh, just because of his pedigree, is definitely bred for a mile and a half. I kind of got sucked into the ride on Curlin, um, you know, thinking partly that if you're going to be wrong, you might as well be wrong shilling for a local horse. Um, but uh, I thought California Chrome actually ran well. Uh, he wasn't as well-suited for a mile and a half, pedigree-wise, as maybe some of the other horses. But I'll tell you what, he didn't seem quite his same 
you know, even in training before, when I saw him at Los Alamitos and then at Churchill Downs and Pimlico, when he'd go to the track, he'd always start, like, he would holler at the other horses, like, I am the man. And then in the paddock, he would show other ways why he was the man, like, you was some of this. But very relaxed, but he didn't do any of that. So I don't know if he was just starting to get a little worn out, which he'd have had every license to do. You know, I thought, well, maybe he's just growing up. Um, you know, it's easy to look at these signs after the fact. But let's face it, he got beat less than two links for everything. He ran a terrific race. He's still the best three-year-old out there. He had a huge triple crown, and it was a, it was a fun ride up until his co-owner needed to have, as Pat would have said, he got his tongue over the bit a little <laughs> bit there. Yeah, he, he got it more than over the bit. I mean, uh, yeah. you yeah, know, Kenny Rice, he yeah. just stood there and just says, I'm getting one of the best stories in the country, and I don't even have to ask a, ask a question. All I need to do is point the microphone at this guy and let him rant. Right. And, you know, the thing is, though, okay, there's legitimate discourse on should you be changing the triple crown. Personally, I like it the way it is. If they wanted to add one week between the Preakness and the Belmont, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I mean, the Preakness, uh, Derby and the Preakness, rather, make it three and three. But, you know, I'm not going to weigh in real strong either way, other than I don't think it needs real wholesale changes. Um, okay, so intelligent, reasonable people can debate that. But t- the idea that because the only of the 12 horses in the Derby should be uh, eligible for the Preakness and the Belmont, besides the fact that those two tracks would hate that idea, Pimlico and, and Belmont. I mean, it just, it just shows a lack of understanding about, you know, horses. And, you know, here is Tonalist, who wanted to run into, his people wanted to run into Derby. He got a lung infection before the Wood Memorial. That knocked him out of that. That knocked him out of the Derby because he had no point because they'd been doing the right thing by him. They ran him in an allowance race off a maiden win instead of, you know, going right into, you know, he, they were doing right by their horse. And so to say, well, sorry about your luck, I think that you know, Mr. Coburn, he was lucky he didn't have a horse who got a cough or a lung infection or something that knocked him out anyway around, right. you know, at any point. And I think he showed his newness to the sport. And I think because he'd had this, he said he'd had this dream and he was predicting these wins and guaranteeing the stuff and it happened so far. It was like, wait a minute, I said it was going to happen. They got to be changed <laughs> me that it didn't happen. Said, you know, other people have good horses too. And he could have apologized the next day, which Art Sherman, you know, I know this is old hat, people have heard all this, but Art Sherman, I was really was expecting, he said he's going to apologize pretty good. So we all went over there where... Mr. Coburn was taping Good Morning America, and he was on, you know, doubling down on the venom and just really, you know, um, over the top. And then at the end, because there were about 12 of us waiting to talk to him, he said, um, you know, I'm through talking, Google it. Well, you know, that's not going to win you any friends over in the media. Uh, next no, day, I heard he gave his phone number out. I wonder how many people really called him if, if he's ditched that phone yet. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. But, you know, then he did apologize the next day. I was just turning on the TV, CNN, and they had him, you know, showing him from on the Good Morning America. And but to me, it was really a day late that he needed that apology the day before because it was set up to where you would have just said, okay, 
fine, we understand it was the heat of the emotion. But when he let it go another day like that, it just smacked of damage control. I know, and I agree. What's so sad is, you know, when you look at the Belmont ratings, uh, Jenny, I mean, they were through the roof. People had really embraced this horse. And like you said, even with the just one-day blowout, if he would have come back the next day and said, what the heck was I was thinking? I didn't talk to Art Sherman. I didn't realize the horse grabbed a quarter. I'm sorry I overreacted. I think... Most people might have cut the guy the break, but I agree. I, I thought it was kind of arrogant on his part uh, back on Sunday not to, not to eat his words because I think everybody would have said, hey, everybody can make a mistake. I forgive you. Let's go back right. to living exactly. the dream. Exactly. Exactly. But then after that, you know, after letting it go and just the way he talked, in fact, the fact that he wouldn't talk to the media did not help his cause, you know, and then saying uh, it's triple crown. Triple is in three. If you don't know that, go back to school, you know. <laughs> And yeah. this rant, and um, you know his poor wife. But you know, it'll be interesting to see. He's going to be at Churchill Downs Friday, uh, Saturday night to accept the trophy, along with his silent partner, who apparently is the majority owner in the horse. And it'll be interesting to see if he, you know, wants to speak to the crowd and issues, you know, another apology. You know. And somebody suggested me, you know what, a way to handle it maybe to be to come out with some duct tape over his mouth. <laughs> no, I think a flare nasal strip. And then people would laugh they might cut him some slack. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a great story still. And the sad thing is it detracted from a great horse in California Chrome and also a great performance by tonalist and also commissioner. And I thought Billy Gowan, you know, asked about it. You know, he'd become tight with the Sherman camp. And uh, I asked him after, you know, Sunday morning, and he said, you know, the man had the right to say what he said. This is America. There's free speech. But Tonalist had every right to be in that race. You know, I thought, yeah, that's right. That pretty much sums it up. Yeah, and all you have to do, Jenny, is go back and look at history, you know? I mean, you talk about Seattle Slough, you talk about Affirmed, uh, you, you talk about Secretariat. They all ran against fresh horses. Sure they did, yeah. They absolutely did. And a spectacular bid got tripped up by, well, a safety pin, but also a quote-unquote fresh horse. Um, so, you know, that, I mean, that's the way it's always been. And ESPN had a very interesting, like, I just saw it in the morning, and so I, I won't be quoting inaccurately. It was a stat to show that there's a higher percentage back in a certain time frame, you know, but going back away, that didn't run in these races that ran into Belmont, you know, didn't run the first two. Then now, then you know this year and stuff. So it's nothing new, um, and you know the reason that there's a common nomination is not. I mean, they want you to run in all three. Certainly, Pimlico, and a lot of this was started by the president of the um, Maryland Jockey Club. His idea that you should space it a month and a month. No, I deal. think that's no, a no, bad no. idea, and here's yeah. why: they think it'll keep interest going for the whole two months. I'm not so sure. I, I believe lose interest. I, I'm, I'm with you, Jenny. You know, it's, it's, think it's of a now thing. It's the one time that we in, in the three races to, to capture people. And they don't and have that many horses really that run in all three. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I yeah, I think that that the five weeks at this time of the year when you're, you know, um, you, you don't have the NBA final completely over yet. Family stuff's <laughs> not completely over yet. You know, college basketball's over and stuff like that. I think it's a great time, but I think it needs to be 
on the condensed side. I don't think spreading it out will add to the interest. Well, Jenny, listen, I've got about a minute and a half left, and I've got you here, and I know you are around the track a lot. Uh, uh, Evan Hammonds from the Blood Horses is coming up soon. Um, I just The Stephen Foster looks like it's going to set up to be uh, a great race. I know there's a lot of good horses in there, like Golden Ticket and Departing, but uh, Moonshine Mullen, who was very impressive uh, over um, uh, Derby Day, but uh, I should say Oaks Day. Um, how about the, the, the matchup that may or may not take place a revolutionary? Can you weigh in on that for me quickly? Yeah, I think that is a great matchup. Uh, Moonshine Mullen might scratch. There's more speed in it than I think they really want for a horse they claim for 40000 I mean, he ran huge, and he has every right to, to run back, but I think they want to take them a little more conservative. I like the parting in there. Um, I think he's, you know, he got some time off, and he came back in one allowance race, and he's training well. Um, and we'll take charge. We've been training well. Um, but I would say my top three would be departing. We'll take charge. You know, I need to look for a long shot. It's too easy to put revolutionary in there and then just have the top top three. So i got to ferret out some a price horse in there somewhere. Well, I'm sure you will. I know that uh, Pat Doopy might help you in that area because I've seen that guy Absolutely. come up more than one good <laughs> My one. My golden coach. <laughs> so, Jenny, listen, thanks a lot for uh, t- taking the time out of your day to be with us on Winning Ponies. You know you're one of my favorite guests and favorite people, and I wish you nothing but the best, and congratulations on, on just another award uh, that you got just within this last week. Well, it's pretty cool that a, a horse racing rider would get the, you know, it, you know, sports rider of the year. You know, that, I think that says to me I've been around a long time. I must have helped a lot of TV guys over the years and other reporters and stuff, you know, that come derby time, that maybe that's what, you know. Uh, but, it, you know, I'm very proud and honored to be there. Well, I'm, I'm proud to, to uh, consider myself a friend of yours, and I'm always pleased when you come on the show, as I know our listeners are. Thanks a lot, Jenny. All right. Happy handicapping. All right. Take care. And speaking of happy handicap, and we're about to do that big night at Churchill Downs on Saturday, and I'm bringing in a heavy hitter from the Blood Horse, Evan Hammonds. He's going to be with us. You're listening to Winning Ponies. We'll be right back. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And back with me is Evan Hammonds, who's been at the Blood Horse for over 15 years, uh, one of the many uh, Blood Horse writers that we use here along uh, Tom Lamara and, and Frank Angst. Uh, whenever I call out to those guys, they're, they're always great at, at, at jumping in and, and helping me out. And, of course, uh, Evan's... Uh, uh, does the uh, after the wire where we a lot of times on a Monday morning he does a recap of what hope happened over uh, the weekend. He also writes columns, and I couldn't help but be attracted to the the column uh, he wrote uh, post Belmont, and it's kind of like picking up where we left off. I mean, uh, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but let's face it, it's uh, you know California Chrome got racing into the news. Uh, in the right way, and uh, sad to say, owner Steve Coburn got us in the news the wrong way. And I thought you addressed it uh, dead on. You didn't pull any pull any punches, Evan. Well, you know, it was uh, obviously an easy target right after the the race, and <clears throat> even after he apologized, there was still that stinging in there. But now that we've had a couple of days, he's uh, you know the one thing that that did happen other than not winning the Triple Crown, was the fact that he got a lot of people talking about horse racing and a lot of people talking about the Triple Crown, uh, you know, not necessarily in the, the best way to go about it, but he did, uh, he did uh, open the floodgates and, and just the response that we've had at bloodhorse.com plus, you know, the response at uh, Yahoo Sports and, and ABC and NBC is uh, really, uh, actually, I think, been quite a good thing. Well, like you said, uh, you know, uh, as long as we're in the press, it's a good thing because we are easily forgotten. And, and let's face it, at this point in time, that the guys recognize his mistake. It's a shame it took him 72 hours to do it. Um, I think a lot of people were kind of irked by the disrespect he showed his wife, who was, I thought, very nicely trying to say, uh, come on back, Steve, uh, you said what you <laughs> Oh, you, you've never say. been in that situation before? Pardon? You've never been in that situation before, but maybe not on national TV. <laughs> I've had more than a tug on my sleeve, I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but not in, but not in that situation. No, no, not not in that situation. But if I had turned around and told her to shut up, there wouldn't have been a second part of the interview. I can tell you that. <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> 
but uh, you know, I, I I just hope that that, that you know it, it didn't uh, you know tarnish the chrome uh, because it, it, as you know, is being in racing, we all love the fact that uh, you know here was an equine athlete uh, that that finally garnered the attention of maybe people that wouldn't normally pay attention uh, to racing. Uh, he was a good-looking horse. It was just a super yeah you know blue-collar story about the guys involved, and uh, you know people got to reflect on Victor Espinosa. It's not like he hadn't been there before. How strange, though, the parallel between War Emblem and this horse in that going into the Triple Crown, coming out of the gate, grabs himself, and that may have something to, had something to do with the game plan and the fact that he didn't have that oomph to go the final eighth. Yeah, well, exactly. I, you know, I'm looking at it uh, in, the, in the days leading up to the race. I thought it was an obvious thing that he should go to the lead. Uh, I went back and watched uh, the tape of Seattle Slough, uh, I don't know, eight, nine, ten times in the Belmont, and, and, and I'm not drawing a parallel to California Chrome to Seattle Slough, but their game plan was to go to the lead and, and make them come get him. And, and I think, you know, either uh, grabbing his quarter or getting, you know, stepped on by uh, the other horse, who really knows, that may have, you know, the crowd may have taken him out. It just what he wasn't that same sharp horse we saw in the Derby and in the Preakness. Early on, I didn't think. Right. And, and you know, I, I thought you know, in watching the race myself that he was doing the best thing that he could as far as for the situation he was in. He's like, look, I'm going a mile and a half. Saving ground's not going to hurt me. Mm-hmm. But it mm-hmm. seemed like after they had gone about a mile, he was kind of herded in, in, into a situation where he had to hurry up and make a decision. Uh, if you read the uh, Andy Beyer column, he really uh, what wasn't the, the – kindness of critics about Victor's ride. You know, he just felt, as you just stated, that here's a horse that, you know, did its best running when you kind of let it roll down. If you go back and look at his bad races, they were times when he kind of got pinned down and got boxed in mm-hmm. um, and that he, he, he should have moved forward. Uh, yes, he did lose ground on the turn. Did he lose enough that he was going to catch, uh, you know, tonalist and commissioner? I don't think so. I, I don't think so either, and uh, and again, uh, you mentioned that too. Is an unfortunate spot. He did. He doesn't. He does his best running in about the two or three path, as he did in the Derby and Preakness and all the other races. But at Belmont that day, and actually on Friday also, all of the winners were on the rail all the way around the turn, and then kind of came out. You know, once they came out of the turn, came out into the two or three path. So actually he was in the right spot down the back stretch but but he had to make a decision and he decided to go out and then did go uh you know he wasn't super wide but he was in the two or three path around the turn again did that cost him the race i, I don't think so but uh it you know, he might have been a little closer well you know i know where i was when i watched it and I was surrounded by people dead on and really when they swept for home you felt this kind of like Oh, he's gonna do it! You know, yeah. it's almost like they they almost drew abreast of each other. But uh, you know, again, he just they went on and he didn't, and it was a shame because you just it was so neat to see people that I knew that weren't really big race fans at the place I was in, uh, uh-huh. so much rooting for this horse. But uh, you know, hopefully he'll bounce back. Hopefully, you know, as you know, a quarter injury can can grow out and 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 he'll come back. I hope their plans are still. Um, if he moves forward physically to, to face older horses in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Yeah, I think that'd be great. Now, I think, you know, uh, before the Belmont, their big hopes and aspirations were for the uh, the new uh, Los Al Derby, 
which is taking the place of the uh, swaps when uh, Los Al opens next month, but they've already said that's not a consideration. So you uh, you take your time. I mean, you've got a uh, you know you've got a superstar on your hands. You and he's on the West Coast. I would take their time and and map out a good plan to get to Santa Anita on November first. Well, and and I, and I pray that uh, you know, that if, if all things do go well, um, that uh, that they bring him back as a four-year-old because, as you know, it's good for you and me because it is good for the game. And uh, while, while on that subject, we've seen some nice four-year-olds coming back. Uh, a lot of people are going to get to see them uh, down at, at Churchill Downs on uh-huh. Saturday. Let's jump right into the Stephen Foster handicap. Half a million on the line. It's a grade one. Again, this is, this is three and up. But we've got uh, you know, two of the best of the, the four-year-olds in the country that have changed uh, positions as far as being winners of the race and, and, and revolutionary that loves to come from out of the clouds. And last uh-huh. year's three-year-old champion, uh, Will Take Charge, who just put on such a sensational uh, show against older horses as a three-year-old last year, um, can, can we throw out the, the yeah. Ali Sheba uh, with Will Take Charge, um, or is Revolutionary just getting better? Well, I think Revolutionary is uh, definitely getting better, but, I, but I'm, I, am, I am going to throw out that last race, um, uh, and that race was, I believe that was, that was Oaks Day, right? Yes, it was. I was the, confused uh, the, the, the Ali Sheba, where, that, that whole week, ironically, uh, why would you change from Louis Sayez? who had so much experience with that horse, and nothing against Gary Stevens, but why would you change from Sayez? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, I don't, I'm not really sure. I don't have an answer for that, but I just do know, remember being there Derby Week, and everybody's covering the Derby, but uh, uh, our friend <clears throat> Dwayne Lucas was certainly talking up Will Take Charge, which probably has a lot to do with uh, why he was 3-5 to five in that race. Uh, you know, he, he did work extremely well and and but lucas also did admit that the foster was the race and he was running in the alashiba just because he, the horse was there and the money was there and the timing was there so i'm willing to uh draw a line through that one um and i was listening earlier to your show earlier and jenny's saying moonshine mullen might scratch but i, I think he's actually a really nice horse yeah, I was very impressed with him in the in the Alley Sheba because again it was bull rail on the rail, uh, but he was actually headed in that race and uh-huh. came back strongly uh, through the final forty yards. Uh, so yeah, we'll be interested to see if he scratched. But you know, it's not the hugest uh, field in in the world, and while there's some speed in there, I I don't see that much that he has to be afraid of. I don't either, and I mean, I'll take Jenny at her word, and we'll, if he scratches, he does. But uh, one other thing I wanted to note about Moonshine Mullen is his previous race to the Ali Sheba, that was uh, the day before uh, Will Take Charge ran in the Oaklawn Handicap. And if you if you look at the times, Moonshine Mullen, the freak that day, he went a mile of 16th and 142 flat. Will Take Charge the next day went you know, an additional 16th and another 7 and two fifth seconds. So uh, I, I don't. I don't see anything wrong with Moonshine Mullen unless he's, uh, you know, regressed a little uh, off that win Derby Week. No, and you know, Revolutionary, who was a horse I loved, I believe I bet him in the Derby last year. Um, he, he sometimes can be his own worst enemy. I mean, let's face it. Any time you bring yourself in the last race thirty lengths back, which I have to say, it was the most 
one of the most impressive <laughs> wins I'd ever seen, and I wasn't alive to see Silky Sullivan run. Uh-huh. But to be 30 lengths back and get up by a neck in the Pimlico Special it was pretty phenomenal. Uh, yes, and, but I, I'm going to take that uh, on its uh, merits that that was, uh, I mean, that was a, a decent field, and, and some of the horses are coming back here, but I'll take that on its merits that it was a grade three. The, uh, as you know, the, the waters get a little deeper at the grade one level. Yeah, yes, it does. Yes, it does. And so he's drawn the rails, so you know, like, he's just going to have to just do his thing. There's going to be no room in the end, so he may have to, to, to lose some ground and, and go around horses when it happens. And I know uh, you're a good friend, and we just heard uh, Jenny. Uh, they're kind of in the, uh, your good friend Tom Lamara. Uh, uh-huh. They're in the departing camp. You know, he came back huge in an optional claiming race uh, uh-huh. after having a rest, and he could be dangerous. Certainly, this race at a mile and an eighth, this horse relishes it. He's tried it five times, and he has three wins, a third, and has won over $1.3 million at a mile and an eighth. Uh, that's true, and, and I think the, you know, the majority of that came uh, uh, in the West Virginia Derby and Super Derby. He's certainly uh, a four-year-old uh, to be reckoned with this year, and... Uh, I, I think he's got every chance, but I also would not uh, discount Golden Ticket. Um, I've always been a fan of of his and uh, a fan of uh, Ken McPeak. And uh, I know it, if you look at his Churchill line, he's made seven starts. He only has one win, but he has four seconds. And I think uh, you know he's hopefully one of these days is going to be his day. And as we've also seen before. In the not-so-distant future, uh, heavy our favorites don't fare so well in the foster. Now that and the fact that you've got to worry about McPeak wherever he shows up. You know, mm-hmm. you just don't know when he's going to pull it off. Like uh, with Frack Daddy up in Canada, horses he sends to Santa Anita, and two-year-olds he used to bring up to win the biggest race at River Downs. Kenny's dangerous anywhere he goes. Yeah, well, and, and this, and yeah, and this horse is, is really tough. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, earlier this year he was within a head of Palace Malice uh, going a mile at Gulfstream. So he's, he's knocked heads with the best. All right. Well, uh, we're talking with uh, Evan Hammonds from the, the Blood Horse. Uh, we just took a look at the Stephen Foster Handicap that will be center stage on Saturday. But there's also some, some other good races at Churchill Downs on that evening card. So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll see how many races we can power through. You're listening to Winning Ponies. school to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and, and with me, Evan Hammonds from the Blood Horse Magazine. And uh, he uh, lives in Kentucky himself. I'm not sure. Are you going to be at the races at Churchill on Saturday, Evan, or watching them someplace? I'll be watching them somewhere because my uh, good friend Matt Ernst is getting married on Saturday night to uh, his uh, fiance Marty Buckner of Clarkland Farm. And Clarkland Farm is the home of, uh, was the birthplace of Beholder. Ooh. So I'll be, uh, I'll be with... Uh, I'll be at be a wedding, but I'll be. We'll, I'm sure we'll all be uh, following what's going on uh, after the nuptials. Uh, I'm sure you'll have a race tra- a racing app or something to watch the races with. But either way, if you show up to Churchill Downs, uh, the Fleur de Lis uh, only drew six horses, but it really drew two huge headliners. Um, kind of the, the one of the hometown hopes, On Fire Baby, trained by Gary Hartledge. And uh, it's got to be perhaps the greatest horse that Joe Johnson ever rode. I see he's the regular rider of that horse and has probably made a nice piece of money. She's won over a million dollars. And uh, then you got 50 Shades of Hay, and looks like they're going to be flying Johnny V in from New York, uh, as impressive as she was in the rough. <clears throat> that, to me, looked like the two horses to talk about in here, but you could correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's the only two, two to talk about, and and boy, I've looked at this. I looked at this earlier today, and I'm looking at it again now, and it's 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 really hard to uh, pick one over the other. It's it's really hard to go against uh, uh, Bob Baffert when he when he ships in for the money, and this uh, the Philly looks really good. But uh, I think the you have to give just an edge to the local hope there with On Fire Baby. I mean, with the three wins at Churchill. And then also, uh, you know, her, her company lines this year, you know, there's no, uh, there's no, no problem running second to close hatches or running, running, you know, within two links of run hatches to start the year and then finishing second tour in the apple blossom, especially off what she did Saturday at Belmont. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, facing the likes of Beholder and uh, Oaks winner Princess of Silmar, close hatches, uh, got the job done. One of the few horses to actually hold on in the stretch on Saturday. Uh, stretch runners were getting caught all day long, and uh, close hatches, the, the Mott trainee, uh, couldn't be much more impressive. She's now won uh, eight of her 11 lifetime starts. She's over the $2 million mark, and I think that's what kind of pushed me to this horse, too, is, you know, you're judged by the company you keep. Um, 
the, the fact that uh, the La Troyenne, a grade one, was run over the Churchill Strip. I was there that day, and uh, that, that, that horse uh, was very impressive and, and just just drew off. Not knocking shift 50 shades of hay in her connections, but I think she's got the hometown edge. Uh, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and again, it's, it's hard to go against uh, uh, Baffert shipping in and, and 50 shades of hay, but I think... Uh, and at the price, I think you just got to play it, uh, play it one way. I would just play a one-way exacta. Well, one-way exacta, and of course, there's going to be some great multiple bets over this card. Uh, the, the race uh, just before uh, the Fleur de Lis is, is the Matt Win, and basically, what we're going to see is a, a lot of horses that had high hopes, a lot of horses that that were nominated to the to the Triple Crown in here. Of course, uh, the, the one that I think. Uh, is best known to our listeners would be Tapature, Steve Asmussen trainee, uh, owned by Winchell Thoroughbred, son of Tappet, who couldn't be a hotter stud right now. Uh, uh-huh. uh, impressed people as a two-year-old, winning the Kentucky Jockey Club at Churchill, came back, won the Southwest at Oaklawn, just got beat by Opportunity, and then seemed to tail off a little bit. Uh, so I think he's the headline horse. I personally think maybe the now horse uh, might be Rise Up. Uh, so um, that's my two cents. I'm looking forward to your nickel. Well, you, you stole my two cents. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I flipping through this race, too, and I also wanted to talk just a second about Conquest Titan. It was just a uh, personal favorite of mine. I really like the way he started off the year in the Holy Bull. I actually uh, pulled the trigger on him at the uh, uh, future book or the future wager uh, back in, I think, early March or January or late February, whenever that was. So I had some hopes there, and he, uh, I think he ran okay in the Tampa Bay Derby. I know he was pinned down on the inside, but uh, really disappointed in the Arkansas Derby. I'm glad that Cassie didn't press on with him, has given him these, you know, uh, seven weeks now, maybe eight weeks now, and let's... Uh, See if he can come back and uh, pick up where he uh, left off at Gulfstream. So, but yeah, but but to your point, I think uh, rise up uh, off of his, you know, wire win at, at at Charlestown. I think that was just like a nice, uh, uh, you know, a nice prep for this, and hopefully he can uh, go right to the front and take them all the way around. Well, it, it it will be interesting, and yes, I respect anybody that that Cassie uh, sends out in. The fact that uh, you know he he, do, he does fairly well with horses off a layoff, uh, conquest conquest Titan can't be one to thrown out. Well, I think I'm I'm down to about two minutes left, so hey, let's just go with it. Um, again, I, I talked to you off the air. This is not the fastest bunch that's going in the regret, but that means we got pretty much an evenly matched field. We see a lot of horses that raced against uh, each other in Churchill's Edgewood Stakes. As a matter of fact, uh, a little bit of Sassy and, and Istenford. Um, uh-huh. Sassy won that race. But Instantford since went on to win the Grade Three Arlington Classic. Uh, James Graham replaced uh, Javier Castellano. He's going to be back in the saddle on Saturday um, with little time left. Who you like in the Gret? It's a pretty wide open race. I think it's a wide open race too. And, and I'm looking at the at the morning line odds here, and if they have I uh, Instantford at, at if she's nine to two, I think that's hard to go against based off of her. Uh, Last race, but another horse I wouldn't really uh, discount would be the uh, Midnight Loot Philly VV Goodnight from Tom Proctor. Uh, yes, there's not many uh, 
uh, horses he throws that on the turf course that I don't take a uh, second look at. So that's one. Uh, uh, and she was also closing against those two uh, at Churchill. So uh, you know, it's, it's you're taking a little bit of a taking a little bit of stand, chucking the favorite out there. But uh, I would go with a little VV Good Night and a I Stanford myself. Well, uh, VV Good Night too had a solid excuse uh, coming out of the Edgewood at, at, at sixteen to one. Only got beat a length and three quarter. What was bumped in the stretch and was forced to go that five wide. So uh, that that could be it. Well, thanks a lot for helping me put ten pounds in a five pound sack. <laughs> uh, we've been talking to Evan Hammonds. Uh, uh, good luck with the, with everything you do with the Blood Horse. I love your work. Great. Well, thank you for uh, having me on and. Uh... Just quickly, the, the last time I was on, I was on after uh, the Eclipse Award winning uh, Marty McGee, and now you have me on right after the award winning Jenny uh, Reese. So uh, <laughs> you, really, you really put me in a tight spot. Not a tight spot. I'd just like to get you a good warm up act. <laughs> yeah, well, like I do, like we all need that. <laughs> all right. Again, we'll be talking with Evan Hammonds from the Blood Horse. I want to thank Jenny Reese uh, for being on with us, and I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to us here on Winning Ponies. Don't forget, get up there, buy those easy win fig forms from Winning Ponies because they've been getting out a slew of winners. So here I am overlooking the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. I wish you nothing but the best of luck. May all your photo finishes be winning ones. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.